Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined, as always, by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here today with a little bit of crunch time going on. John has to leave in about 48 minutes, and so we are going to try and finish this in under 52 minutes. We can do it. If we put our minds to it, we can record for less than an hour, I swear to God. So uh, we're going to talk strictly football today. We're going to start with a little UW talk and then get into the Hawks before finishing with value dogs. But that's it. We don't have time. Hurry. Howdy, pick it quick. Get in here. All right, John, let's just get going. Um, we're going to talk football, so let's just dive straight into some college talk from uh, this past weekend. Little little ranked matchup between the number five Washington Huskies, who continue to stay at number five despite them being better than Florida State, uh, versus the number 18 Utah Utes. How do you feel about that game? Uh, it was a good game. It was a distressing game in the first half. Serious, serious USC vibes in terms of the back-and-forth scoring. Um, the offense remained magnificent, and the defense stepped it up in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Tale of two halves really is what it was. They, Utah scored all 28 of their points in that first half um, and then proceeded to not score in the second half. Um, and that was really just Washington's defense stepping it up and doing kind of what, I, what I've said they've been doing is stepping it up when they need to, but not necessarily before that. Um, a big interception, which ended up being a fumble at the one-yard line, which was a turnover for UW. We'll talk about that. Tough play there. Um, but they got a safety out of that, so it ended up working out. But, uh, yes, yeah, just, a, just a nice overall game for UW, staying on track and uh, getting where they needed to go with the Utah um, matchup. Yeah, well, it's so interesting about this game in particular. You look at the final, 35-28, and you say, okay, kind of a barn burner start to finish. Nice high-scoring game, but... Of the combined 63 points scored, 53 of those points were scored between the three-minute mark uh, of the first quarter and the, what would it be, uh, 2.15 mark in the second quarter. So in one quarter of time, 53 of the 63 points were scored on back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back consecutive scoring drives which included all touchdowns except for a single uh, UW field goal. A lowly field goal. Yeah, so eight straight scoring drives between the first and second quarter um, where just neither team could get a stop. And for UW, it was more the typical stuff. Uh, DJ looked great again today, 100 yards and a touchdown. Adunze, <laughs> I would say Adunze really stepped up, but he'd say, you know, it was... <laughs> He had 111 yards and two touchdowns, but he's on three receptions. The guy, he certainly stepped up, but his ability to hit the big play and then nothing else was uh, pretty astounding. Yeah, his his touchdowns were basically just like 40-yard bombs down the middle of the field or to that that fade on the right side mm -hmm. um, from Penix. Really gorgeous throws, gorgeous plays. Yes. Um, and his ability to just get open down the field when Penix has had time has kind of been a little Tyler Lockett-esque, I mm. feel like, just... You know, shifty enough, and when, when he's got time and Penix is able to move around a little bit, he can get that good ball to him. Um, big game for Jack Westover. He had a lot of third-down conversions, um, and that big fourth-down conversion, which I believe turned into a touchdown late in the game. Um, yeah, yeah, just a really solid tight end, tight end game for him. Yeah, 
Westover and Bernard kind of stepping up Jalen Polk having a pretty whole hum game by his standards. Um, but it was interesting, yeah, when so our offense was looking pretty par for the course of what we've seen these last couple of weeks. Um, the Utah offense, they were just hitting massive plays down the field. For three, Chunks. three consecutive touchdowns during that span that I was talking about, they hit passing plays of 40 yards or more. It's like just gashing the UW quarterbacks down the field. Um, and then, obviously, second half really turned things around. Defense stepped up in a big way. Solved something that they were seeing in that first half. And then UW got slowed down as well. You know, it's worth noting that, you know, after that massive back-and-forth affair, for the entire second half, UW scored 10 points, you know, a touchdown in the field goal. They got had a field goal blocked. They had a couple of punts. So, uh, you know, saw a little bit more of what we thought we might see from that Utah defense. But yeah. Serendipitous to get the win. Yeah, that second half, I think what it was was the UW line was able to kind of flush the quarterback out of the pocket for Utah and just make him make throws on the move and make plays with his legs. And mm-hmm. he just, he wasn't having to do that. He was getting, he was staying in a solid pocket in that first half and making really nice throws, making those, getting those big plays. Um, but yeah, as the game went on, I think I was telling you about this. The UW defense just has a lot of substitutions and is a, and they play a lot of guys, which means they're able to stay fresh. And I think just over time, their their defensive line and defensive players can kind of keep pace with those offensive players that are getting tired, getting utilized a lot because UW's offense takes two and a half minutes to score every single play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. Um, so yeah, all in all, a good win. Utah played better. I was expecting from them, particularly yes. offensively. I was talking some smack before the matchup, which you know wasn't smack. It's really what I thought, and you know they showed me some things which I wasn't sure they were capable of. But uh, a good game by them, very competitive in the first half. Yeah, what well, we should talk about just the biggest play of the game. So funny, man! It happens every like three or four years on on a running clock. Um, Alfonso, oof, goodness, Tuputala. Tata, um had what should have been a pick, pick six. It was a beautiful pick. Runs it all the way back. <laughs> Nobody near him. It's like does. 70 yards. Yeah, celebrating way before he gets to the end zone and does the classic, I'm like a full yard and a half away from the end zone and I'm dropping the ball. <laughs> and uh, Utah recovers it on the one. And it was so bad. It, like You see those. You'll see them in the NFL from time to time. And it literally has to happen like every three or four years for these guys to be like, okay, no, that's stupid. Why would you ever do it? But it's also worth noting it was the worst one I've ever seen. Like it was not, he wasn't even close to being in. He had like another step and a half. Yeah, he <laughs> took another step after dropping the ball before he was in the end zone. Absolutely wild. That's but, somebody who's never scored before in their life. <laughs> yeah, and, and still hasn't. Congratulations to Alfonso. Obviously a nice play by him, but to blow it at the end like that. So bad, man. Um, at the time, because obviously then the UW defense stepped up in a big way to get the safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, it's like, okay, maybe this was actually a good play for UW because they got the safety. They lucked out, yeah. yeah. They could get a long scoring drive here potentially, and then it would be a, a plus. But that was it. The safety was were the last points scored in the game, and uh, it was only a seven point game. So Utah still had a chance to tie the game if they had. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he's still getting plenty of it from the coaches, but Alfonso would not be able to show his face on campus. Yeah, no, that was a, a tough look. And yeah, there was a lot of discussion on 
you know, was that a good play? And in the end, it ended up being good because we got those two points and the ball. But had they even cleared the the end zone, they had they worked that run play to the five, and then you know we hadn't gotten those two points. Who knows if we would have scored again? We would still be up five. Yeah, and they might get the ball again because we didn't score after that, like you said, offensively. Um, so just yeah, a really tough play. Obviously, would love to see him score that and go up two two scores, but. Oh, well, fun. You learn something. You learn something new every week in this UW team. What I can absolutely promise you is he will never do it again. <laughs> that guy's gonna hold on to the ball. The ref's gonna have to come and wrench it out of his hands <laughs> next time he scores a touchdown. Um, one final note from the last couple weeks: uh, UW's been been able to get Penix a rushing touchdown the last two weeks, which mm. I've been very happy to see, and it's been something that's made their red zone offense more effective. Mm. Um, more options. Yeah, just more options. Him being able, if they get down to the one, he can get to the outside or, you know, run it up the gut. Yeah. Kind of a Jalen Hurts style play. He's a good play action quarterback. Yeah. He's he's been really nice in those situations. And as long as they, you know, call the play for it, he's able to make that decision. He's not as much of a scrambler, though. It's, no. it's definitely got to be a designed play. Uh, but that's been good to see over the last couple of weeks, kind of getting him prepped for tougher games down the stretch, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's always great to see. Um, any other notes on this Utah game before we talk about this week? Um, not really. I just yeah. it was the first know. in a, a string of, I guess, two more tough games. Yeah. So the first of three tough games, and you know, that's something I will say about UW is they've had a lot of close competitive games with good teams, but they're undefeated. And what that means is when those big moments are step- coming up, their defense is stepping up. They stepped up again today, like they did against Oregon, like they did against USC. And the offense is just continuing to do what it needs to do to win. So considering how many of these ranked matchups, or at least, you know, high-end matchups have been close, you know, it's almost I'm almost glad they've all been close because it really shows that this team, you know, two or three, and it's lucky. But if you're doing four or five of these, now it's like, no. This when is, the moment gets big, this team steps up. And that's a good thing to have. It's like the Mariners in close wins. If you're doing it enough, it's a, it's a, stra- it's not a strategy, but it's a, ability that you have yeah so at least you know a couple years back and much like the mariners i wouldn't count on it year to year um (laughs) okay this week uh big game uw going to corvallis oregon home of this podcast's second favorite college football team the oregon beavers Uh, yeah you gotta say oregon state you can't just say oregon just just to oh i don't acknowledge any other colleges (laughs) is there another school in oregon Uh, just the beavers down there um oregon state beavers and what's going to be a big game? What, what are they up to now? Oregon State? Record-wise? Or, uh, you know, ranking. Ranking-wise. I've seen them at 10. They're currently at 11 on ESPN. Okay. So a bigger matchup straight up than Utah. Not surprising. Yeah. Beat Utah badly. Oregon's, Oregon State's 8-2. and two, And I think their two losses were... Washington State and... Probably... No, they play Oregon last. Um, yeah. Washington State and USC. Maybe? That would be that would be what I expect. I know they lost Washington State. Oh, they lost to Arizona a couple weeks ago. Ooh, that was a but, but Arizona's in the top 25 now. Arizona's been good this year. That makes me feel better about that Arizona game, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about that Oregon State game? Yeah. Oregon State is... I, I, I think we talked about it. They're kind of a, a mixture of Utah's defense and Oregon's offense. Like They're not as potent offensively, and they're not as stout defensively. But they're good at both. Like they're seventy-five percent of each of those teams, um, which could pose a challenge because they're going to be a physical team. They're going to run the ball. 
really um, good running team. Really good running team. Their lead rusher has over a thousand yards already on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're their quarterback. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna have to struggle to pronounce his name. Uyagalele. <laughs> we got, we got, come on, man. Uh, he was he was the Clemson transfer, I believe. He's a good good player. Oregon yes. State we came in ranked very highly, and they have played up to that ranking. So going to be a tough game. That Oregon game at the end of the year is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, um, a little civil war action down there. Um, yeah, I think what concerns me most about this game, I'm honestly more worried about this game than I was about any team we played other than Oregon, and even Oregon to a certain degree because stylistically. Oregon plays the way UW plays, which makes it, you know, it's always better to fight somebody that you know how they fight, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and if your plan is going to throw the ball a ton and, you know, you're worried about interceptions and how game-changing those can be, it's, you know, even playing a quarterback like Bo Nix, it's still comforting to know, like, oh, they're going to throw it 40 times too and we'll get those same opportunities. Um, What I worry about with this Beaver team is ball control. I was going to say that, yep. Yeah. If they, we've seen this UW defense struggle against the run with several underlines underneath struggle. <laughs> um, if Oregon State is able to put together long, you know, six, seven, eight minute drives that end in touchdowns by leaning heavily on the run, and their defense is able to get just a couple of stops, um, this one's got me a little worried. Our offense, yeah, just wouldn't get the ball enough in that case. Like, we're used to our offense scoring 35 points. Yes. And if Oregon, yeah, if you're saying Oregon State has four or five drives that go six to eight minutes, that's most of the game. Correct. Like, we, we, we're going to need to be either be able to run the ball or take things a little slower or make them speed up and have to keep up with us, which I think is going to be the game plan is just like, hey, we need to score so that they have to pass. Kind of like what we did against Utah and what we've tried or, and USC. Um, Getting out to that early lead is going to be huge for keeping the pressure on. Yes, which we've talked about numerous times. So all that is to say, if you're if you're a betting man, if you have Washington winning this game, you want to take the over. If you have Oregon State winning this game, you want to take the under. That is that is very true. Um, it's going to be fascinating. Another game where I, I I realize I've just said this like three weeks in a row now, but I really believe it. DJ is going to be huge. Dylan Johnson's performance is going to be really big. Um, Penix has looked a lot sharper these last couple weeks. Still, maybe not quite as sharp as we were seeing early in the season, but that might have more to do with competition as well. But yeah. uh, DJ's ability to pump out these four to six yard runs takes so much pressure off Penix to be perfect. Um, it allows him to miss a couple passes, even per downs, and you know still get a chance to convert and keep the ball moving. Um, I think how he and the offense in general is able to fare against this pretty stout Oregon State defense is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think the other thing to think about with Oregon State is they're just a very, um, they're a high distributed um, in terms of yardage. Like they're going to pass the ball to a lot of different players, um, but their tight ends have been the people finishing those drives. Their tight end has, Jack Velling has eight touchdowns Mm -hmm. of the 20 that, their quarterback is thrown. Big, big red zone guy. Their guys with the highest uh, yards in terms of wide receivers have uh, six touchdowns combined. There's two guys with almost 600 yards mm. who barely come close to Adunze in terms like they are 1,200 yards total and Adunze has 1,100. It's just not their not the way they run their offense. They, um, they you know, ground and pound. And yeah. When things get tight, they've got that big guy in the red zone. 
plays a lot like kind of like a Gronkowski style clear out tight end offense. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Going to need to have big bodies in the middle and hands up on the on the line trying to block those passes because they're going to be on the interior or they're going to be leaking tight end plays. That's the um, nice thing to understand. This is not the team you necessarily have to worry about those 60-yard passes over the top, which yeah. has been the last two weeks. So it'll be a, a breath of fresh air for the defense to be able to tighten up a little bit around the line. Mm-hmm. Big, Also big, uh, UW hasn't really been able to tackle super well the last couple weeks. True. Um, so making those plays is going to need to be crucial. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty easy that the most important phase of this game for UW is going to be the rushing defense against this Oregon State rushing attack. That kind of front seven. Yeah, yeah it's going to be, you can't let them do what Oregon and USC were doing to us on the ground because unlike Oregon and USC, if they're getting eight yards a carry, they're going to carry the ball 40 times. Yeah. Like, they're not going to... They don't have a Bo Nix that's demanding the ball. Um, so we're really going to have to tighten up in that phase. Well, I'm looking at the spread right now, some game odds. It started at UW minus one and a half. It's now moved to Oregon State minus two and a half. That's a large movement. People are wow. believing in Oregon State right now. That, I think that's wild. That's- I still think I still think UW is, has a 70% chance of winning this game. I can't believe Oregon State's favored. I mean, ESPN matchup predictor only gives us a fifty-two point four percent chance to win. But even um, that states that we should be fair. Yes, we're undefeated. They just lost to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of taking the money, um, I guess no, because you you would want two points. No, there's no reason you would want two points against a Washington team. They're either going to blow you out or you're going to win. And I guess that's probably what it is. Is people yeah. are taking the Oregon State money line, and they've eventually had to move it because it wasn't getting value. Sure. Sure. Um, wow. Fascinating. Yeah, well, crazy. yeah, the country doesn't believe. Let's see it. This is, yeah, in a lot of ways, this is the last chance before the Pac-12 championship because despite beating Oregon State, Washington State is not uh, quite that same level of competition that Utah and Oregon State are. Yeah, no, they were they were really good early. I think they started off 3 or 4-0. and oh, Yeah, they and were ranked up to like 17 at one point. And then they've lost like, oh no. He had to wake up from his nap that he was taking earlier. Shut up. <laughs> That was very important business. That was not a business-related alarm. Um, sorry about that. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. Uh, Wazoo's just lost like five or six of their last seven games. Like, it's it's been a rough stretch for them. That's actually my alarm that goes off every time we talk about Wazoo more than we deserve to talk about. <laughs> so this is serendipitous. Damn. Uh, anything else you want to say about college before we move on to the pros? Uh, not really. UW basketball just lost to Nevada the other day. <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> I've got thoughts on Gonzaga, but we'll save it for another episode where I can expound. Um, don't want to expound anywhere near me, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, our boys, this week. 29-26 win over the Washington Commanders. Um, back and forth affair. Goodness gracious, a lot of lead changes. And then some late-game heroics by Geno, DK, and... Uh, Myers, Jacob Myers. Uh, I think so. Jason, Jason Myers. Myers. I'm That's sorry, Jason. Jason's been a stud all year, but yeah, uh, good game. Kind of what we expected. Um, not to bury the lead, but I picked the Commanders for value dogs, and they did cover in that regard. Um, they their offense is pretty sharp. This Commanders team. Sam Howell, 312 yards and three touchdowns. 
kind of love him. He's kind of the son I never had. I have him in all my fantasy leagues, and the dude's carrying me. Um, and yeah, their ability to just extend drives and then hit those. They're not like a big play team, but they're a big intermediate play team. They hit a lot of like 10 to 25-yard passing plays and really chip their way down the field. So um, what were your big takeaways from that one? Uh, our offense was able to score 29 points. Granted, 15 of those came on field goals, but our offense was able to score 29 points. And you know what happened? Geno Smith got sacked one time. Uh, the line protected him enough so that he could get those passes off. Had 300, 370 yards uh, passing, two touchdowns. A good game from Gino. That's kind of what we've been calling yeah. for. 31 for 47. That's efficiency. And bang, bang, the witch is dead. We've had a Gino Smith start without an interception, folks. <laughs> Everyone got around. Let's hold hands. Um, that was my favorite part of the entire game. Gino Smith did not turn the ball over. Yeah, yeah. Then that's, that's what allows our offense to score 29 points. That's a good offensive game for the Seahawks. Yeah, and it also belies, like, greater potential because as you said that's five field goals that's five times we made it into opponent's territory and weren't able to punch it in which is a negative in one regard but it also shows that this team when Gino doesn't turn it over they're very capable of moving the ball yes um the defense I think was the reason this game was a nail-biter obviously Mm. commander scoring 26 points is not ideal uh but like we've said like we said previously Sam Howell is a good quarterback um and I think him being able to kind of bring the ball up and down the field the way that he did yeah. was indicative of maybe some some cornerback, not weaknesses, but they maybe had a bad game. And no, um, I, what you're saying is 100% true, and it's the cornerbacks, and it's also the line. Howell was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He was only sacked three times in this game. Only three. <laughs> Which, that's like, that's drops in the bucket for, for what's been happening to him this season. He also had zero picks. And this is a guy that's top five in the NFL and picks thrones. So um, credit to him. He had a great game. I I have nothing. We watched the end of this game together. And at one point, we both looked at each other and we're like, no, no. Sam Howell's like a good quarterback. Like people have been kind of treating him like a fluke this season, particularly early when he struggled more. Um, And he does take too many sacks and makes some questionable decision making. But he is like a he is like a Brett Favre, no fear, hug it down the field guy. With a good arm, he can do some stuff with his legs. He's a good scrambler. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I'm a believer in Sam Howell. Um, so I'm not going to hold it too much against the defense that they weren't able to really nail him. Yeah, I think the other thing to note is uh, we held their run, rushing to 68 yards on 14 carries. That's that's, great. that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's a little, yeah, almost five yards a carry. And really, that's kind of the Washington commander's MO. It's like we, like we said, was it last week when we were talking about the Seahawks offensive capabilities? The fewest rushes per game. Yeah. Yeah. They're very similar to the commanders, but the commanders also throw the ball way more. So the fact that we were able to have more attempts and completions from our passing game while also having 12 more carries just shows kind of what we were saying. Ball control. Ball control. Um, And yeah, that, that, that distribution right there is what gives you the ability to take a lead late in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And they're running back Brian Robinson. Um, you know, somewhat effective on the ground. His yards per carry were actually pretty good. He just didn't get a lot of attempts. Largely because, much like UW, the Seahawks were doing a great job of keeping the pressure on and, and forcing them to throw the ball. Um, but he was devastating in the passing game. Obviously, started the game with a 50-yard touchdown scramble. Um, and then 
racked up 60 more passing yards throughout the game. They do a really good job of incorporating their running backs into the passing game, which would be an important note if the Hawks are playing them this week. I don't know why I'm saying it. This has nothing to do with the Hawks anymore. Um, Charbonnet. Charbonnet was awesome this week. Yeah, another great week. Walker, 20 carries for 60 yards, about 3 yards a carry. Pretty ho-hum. Charbonnet, 6 carries for 44 yards, busting them out at 7 yards a carry. That's some college shit there. Every carry we saw while we were watching that game, we yeah. were like, man, he, he's good. He's good. <laughs> he is big. He is strong. He is fast. I really, really wonder. This this Hawks offense has been a, a revolving door of running backs ever since uh, ever since Lynch, Lynch left. But uh, And we've loved every one of them. It's like, oh, Carson. Carson's our guy, and then he's gone. Um, Penny. Yeah, Penny was our guy, and then he's gone. And Walker has been the guy now for about two years. And I, I think we've talked about his production slipping a little bit. Obviously, he had a massive 60-yard touchdown reception. Yeah. But in terms of his ground game, I wonder if next year, if Charbonnet's seizing it from him. Because his play these last couple weeks has been nice. I think, and, and we talked about this a little bit, because you were upset that Tony Pollard wasn't providing enough fantasy points. That's correct. We were arguing about Tony Pollard. <laughs> Um, and I think it's just like he's basically the Tony Pollard of this team where it's like he's going to get a decent amount of carries for the small short yardage gains. You know, if you have a third and two, you're giving it to Kenneth Walker over Zach Charbonnet because there's the risk that Charbonnet gets tackled behind the line and can't get forward enough. I think Walker is an assured three yards, basically, if you're giving him the ball. Um, he's slippery. The Charbonnet's a bigger, stronger back. He's more of a traditional short yardage back than Walker is. I don't know. I just feel like Walker's more of like a head down, go hit the guy that's going to tackle him and, you know, fall forward for a couple yards instead of a Charbonnet is going to get tackled. He's also a vet, you know. He knows yeah. how to read his blockers and, and where to go probably better than Charbonnet does. But something, uh, just something to keep our eyes on. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, in terms of receiving, uh, really good spread this week. DK with 98 yards, Tyler Lockett with 92, and JSN with 53. Very nice spread. They all had, DK had 12 targets, Lockett had 10 and JSN had five. That's just a really good spread of getting the ball to different receivers and having them able to get open. Yeah, and yeah, tight ends were involved as well, which was good to see. Um, one thing I will note, Lockett, eight for 10 for 92 yards in the touchdown, fantastic vintage Lockett game. He came alive right after I said he was dead. Love to see it. Um, Metcalf, 98 yards, was huge on that on the game-winning drive. The field goal, yeah. He caught... Both I think two for 20 yards each. Yeah. yeah, that secured it. But 7 for 12 is not spectacular. If you're going to get 12 targets, you want 10 receptions. Um, we've talked about this in the past, whether or not it's Geno trying to force it to him because he's a safety valve or, or if DK is not doing a good enough job of getting into the right spots to securing catches. But even in a game where I'm happy with Geno and I'm happy with DK, 7 for 12, you know, that can be better and it should be better. I think what it is is DK is just not the kind of receiver that's able to get the separation mm-hmm. of like a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. Like he's just not that level of receiver. And more I think we've overpowering guy. Yeah, we've talked about him in that sense, but he's more like a very, very, very budget AJ Brown. No, what he really is is that's yes, that's a great way to describe him. But do you remember Martavius Bryant on the Steelers? Mm. He plays exactly like Martavius. Everything's over the top, or it's short yardage and just like using his frame. And he's great at it, and I, I love DK. But and you're right; that probably plays into seven for twelve because he's a fighting with cornerbacks, yeah. just trying to you know 
security the ball. Easier to get the ball knocked away and things like that. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to quit pitching. It was a good win. Yeah, good win. Um, You good to move on to the next next week? Yeah, what are we doing next week? Who are we playing? Next week, the Seahawks have a rematch from their week one game that they lost pretty handily against mm. the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, a less strong team than they were in week one. Talking um, about the Rams? Yeah, I guess. Hey, they have Cooper Cup now. <laughs> they did, they're losing Matt Stafford, though, aren't they? They don't have him for the rest of the season, right? No, no, I think Stafford's playing this week. Oh, am I wrong with that? I feel I could be wrong as well. Very possible, but... Oh, yeah, no, he's quite he's questionable. I'm sorry, that's my fault. So, yeah, we'll see if he plays or not, but uh, obviously, with what we've seen from, from Ripken, or Rippin, or Ripen, or whatever yeah. his name is, uh, they're in a very good spot if he plays. Yeah, I think it opened at minus two and a half, and people are betting the Rams! It's now down to minus one. What is going on? That you know, it makes sense in a way. When you have a team that bludgeoned the other team and they play again and the line's even, people are naturally gonna say, Why will history not repeat itself? We saw a big example of that last week with the Giants and uh Giants in Dallas, where the line was like twenty twenty six and a half. Jesus Christ. And it hit that well, Yeah. And people were like, <laughs> Well, Dallas won by like forty five the first time, there's still value there and they ended up being right, whether or not that'll repeat this time. I think the defense is looking a lot better than it did in that week one matchup. That'll be big. It'll be interesting to see, talking about cornerbacks, how they handle Puka and Cooper should Stafford play. If Stafford does not play, they don't have to worry about the receivers because the quarterback can't get him the ball. But uh, if he does play, that'll be a good test for Witherspoon and, and the rest of that core. Yeah, I think you know we've seen in our few losses, um, teams with good receivers can beat us, you know. Uh, at least the Ravens don't necessarily have a ton of good receivers, but Lamar's a really good quarterback. Um, the Bengals, obviously, Jamar Chase was able to get open, get a touchdown. Um, and then, obviously, our third loss was the Rams, week one. So teams with good receivers and receivers that have the ability to get open against our young cornerbacks and safeties yeah. can definitely um, can definitely score on us. So that's a little bit of a concern this week. Yeah, I think it's especially teams with more than one guy, too, where you can't just hyper-focus. So yeah, that will be a big you feel good? You feel you've taken the money? I mean, no. I, ESPN has their matchup predictor at 55.1% in favor of the Rams right now. Um, and, and I'm like, you always that. go to that. That's it's, it's bullshit. It just calls it 50 50 for every game, and it's always right. Mm, fair. Um, every NFL game is 50 50, as we see with the Broncos Bills from this week. <laughs> um, I, I'm just, I'm concerned about. Yeah, exactly what we just said. Them being able to score big gashing plays against the Seahawks who won't be able to keep up because that's just not how their offense plays. Um, but if we can get a takeaway, if if Brett, like that's the thing, if it's not Matt Stafford QBing, I think we'll win this game handily. If there's a Brett throwing the football and his last name isn't Favre, you are in great shape. <laughs> that's all I know. Um, yeah, so that'll be a good game. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You want to touch on anything else before we talk about the depravity of gambling. I just, I just want to say that I, I, I phrased that poorly. I think we have a seventy-five percent chance to win mm. unless Matt Stafford plays. Then it's a sixty percent chance. I still think we're going to win. That's interesting. Yeah, I would say the same. And if Stafford plays, I might put it closer to fifty-fifty. Yeah. I think this Ram team is better than they have not been really cohesive and healthy for many games. Yeah, um, for so, many years, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> true that. Three and six might be a little bit underestimated should all the big names play but we'll see you next week yeah um 
All that is to say, you ready to work into some value dogs? You know what time it is, baby. You want me to break down the stats? Break down the stats. So, I, yeah, I, I had a weird week. I went one, one, and one, uh, keeping that 500 <laughs> level going. How'd you do? Uh, I went two, zero, and one. And at the time, it was I had Raiders plus one, and it moved to Raiders minus one. So, count that however you want. But we are taking our points when we bet them. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're not letting how the market changes. It probably changed to... Minus one because everyone was slamming it after yeah. you say plus one. After right. I said that, everything changed. You're literally changing Vegas lines. <laughs> and we're not going to punish you for it. Um, but yeah, so I went to 0 and one So after this last week, our records, I am currently 12-14-1, and John is 13-11-3. A lot of pushes for our boy John Kerry. Um, I'm going to take first pick this week because I gave it to you last week. And I'm going to take... My one pick in terms of team that's that's different than I than it was last week. So I'm going to take the Bengals plus is it three and a half three against, and a half the against the Ravens? Wow. Yeah, I, just, I also have the Bengals. Yeah, so. I I don't see it, man. The Ravens are like they're good, but I think the Bengals are better than than they've been. Or I guess they lost to the Texans last week. That's kind of the swing that people are taking. Yeah, both the Bengals and the Ravens are coming off disappointing losses. Um, I thought that it would be all mine because I didn't think you'd want any smoke with the Ravens. But no, I want it. Yeah, this is a huge, huge AFC North matchup. You know, obviously huge because it's a value dogs pick by us, but also um, massive, massive playoff impl- implications for both teams in in probably the most competitive division in the NFL. So, whew. yeah, uh, Bengals are currently fourth in the uh, AFC North at five and four. The AFC North is massive. That's and this is like this is the game that they need before you know if they go five hundred in that division, I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs because they still got more games against the Browns and the Steelers. Yeah, so it's they just, still have both Steelers games, which I think they're pretty confident in. But yeah, and they should be confident. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, you know what this Bengals team is aspiring to, and if they can't beat the Ravens, then you know maybe they need to lower those aspirations in the first place. But yeah, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really tight, really competitive game. And when you have really tight, really competitive games and you can get more than a field goal in points, you take the points. Yep. That's why we're here. This is what we do. Uh, uh, yeah, all I that is to say, pick. we both have the same pick there. I, so I guess I'll go ahead and take my second pick since you stole my first one from underneath me. And I'm not going to let you take this one from me. Easiest money on the board. Give me the Eagles of Philadelphia over the Kansas City Chiefs. Plus two and a half? Question mark, question mark, question mark. That does not make any sense. This has got to be the first time this season that Philadelphia is not favored to win a football game. Uh, it is a rematch of the Super Bowl from last year, which Kansas City needed a classic Mahomes comeback to win. But it's not the playoffs. Mahomes saved that, saves that shit up for later, you know? Um, this Eagles team has a significantly better defense than the Chiefs. Not that the Chiefs don't have a good defense, but the Eagles have won the best. And a significantly Underline, underline, underline. Better offense than this Chiefs team. Um, their receiving depth, their running game, uh, and really those two things. And obviously the offensive line um, are some of the best in the NFL. You know, Mahomes has Kelsey and a bunch of a bunch of YMCA guys. Uh, I don't understand. Explain to me how the Chiefs. Can I can. Favored. I can explain this to you 100. percent Please. Did you see the video of Taylor Swift running up and hugging <laughs> Travis Kelsey? 
Okay, that shit was magical. <laughs> it was magical, and it has every single woman on this planet watching this game to watch the the Chiefs win this week. Uh, there's gonna you saying the NFL's gonna the be NFL terrible? has to do something to to make the Chiefs win this game. They would. They would. Um, and Vegas is going to make so much money because of it. That, that's a good point. This is a massive trap. You know, everybody that thinks they're smart is going to be betting on the Eagles. I also think I'm smart. Um, that's that's interesting. Worth noting, though, that hug happened in Argentina, which means that Travis has been doing a lot of traveling and might not be on his best rest. There's uh, My girlfriend is very excited about watching this. She wants to watch this game because she thinks that Travis Kelsey is going to do a dance that Taylor Swift from one of Taylor Swift's songs because they like all of TikTok's things. TikTok thinks that Travis Kelsey lost a bet to Taylor and now he has to do a dance or some shit during that's a game. Hilarious. Well, we'll find out. So, but that's my pick. I'm taking it. Yeah, that one will be yeah controversial. Uh, with my second pick, I am going straight back to the well that I was just at, and I'm going to take the Vikings plus two and a half against the Broncos. The Broncos, I just I know they just beat the Bills, but the Vikings are just magical right now. I don't know what it is, but I'm all in on the Vikings. Uh, Josh Dobbs train. I'm I'm riding it. I'm in the caboose. Um, <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> And yeah, Justin Jefferson might be back this week. And if that happens, I don't know why the the Vikings are plus. Um, yeah, I just think the Vikings beat the Broncos, and it might be a closer game than it was against the Saints this week. But I think the Vikings are that team that's going to go, you know, six and two over the last eight games and yeah. kind of come back into the fold. Yeah, JJ playing would be definitely that's that's kind of we've talked about those games where like, oh, if the quarterback plays, this is great value, and that's definitely the case here. If, if uh, Justin plays great value getting them plus points those are kind of the top two teams for teams that we thought were garbage you know like four weeks into the season and now we're playing really well and it's kind of like what do we do with these teams like this Broncos team just beat the Bills they're playing well now yeah um and obviously Josh Dobbs has turned into the second coming so uh I don't really know what's going to happen in that game but you're getting plus points on a team that is on a tear so love to see that yeah I yeah, one more note. These teams were a combined one and seven after four weeks. Jesus. Atrocious. But I, I do enjoy how the Vikings have been playing recently. Nice. All right. With my last pick, I'm going with a team that I have not gone with once all season. Really newbie. Turning over a new leaf. And I am picking the Cardinals of Arizona. Wow. Plus four and a half against the Houston Texans. Plus four and a half. That's a lot of points. I thought this was going to be your rancid dog. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Texans have looked great. Texans have looked great. I love C.J. Stroud. Kid's a stud. Um, this Cardinals team has looked a lot better with Kyler at the helm. Kyler looks sharp. He looks fresh. He looks fast. He's finding receivers. Their offense looks pretty potent. Um, and this Texans team hasn't had a lot of real tests. They have not played really any of the big boys. Um, I think a lot of their wins have been just scrappy wins against pretty ho-hum teams. Um, so I think they just beat the Bengals. Yeah, that game was kind of weird. But, and, and that goes to my other point, which is that, yes, the Texans have been winning. They have been winning a lot of games by one, yeah. two, three points. Nobody loves game-winning field goals more than this Texans team, um, which plays perfectly. If it was Cardinals plus two and a half, I'd be much more nervous, much more shaky. The fact that you're getting well over a field goal in points, allowing that built-in C.J. Stroud comeback game-winning field goal to happen and be joyful about it uh, 
is a good feeling for me. So I really think, I really think Cardinals are going to play it tight and they just need to keep it close. Yeah, we haven't seen the Texans put a team in the rearview mirror yet. They yes. win games by like Correct. two or they lost the Panthers by two. Like it's yeah. kind of, they that's a really good point. Games. They just play close games. Yeah. Um, so that'll be, that'll be a good test to see, you know, can the Cardinals keep it close and kind of upset kind of like the Panthers did? Good vibes in Arizona, man. That's um, all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I like that pick. Now that, now that you think, now that I think about it, I, I don't think that would have been your rancid dog. Who comes crawling back? I agree with you. Um, and with my last and the last pick of our value dogs for this week, I'm going to go back to the well again. Same same team as last week. This guy's pulling water. The, the Raiders are plus 12 and a half against the Dolphins. What is going on? I knew you'd go. Um, I just I've I've really liked the Raiders mojo. Uh, the Jets have a great defense and held them to 16 points. The Dolphins have a pretty pretty bad defense, and I don't think they're going to hold them to 16 points. And I think the Raiders defense has stepped up recently as well. Um, I think it's going to be like a like a 25 to 31 game. Like it's gonna it's gonna be close, and I think 12 and a half points is just too much to not take. There. A lot of points. It's a touchdown and a field goal, and you have two and a half. It's a lot of points. Yeah. I get why the line's there. The Raiders have been a happy-go-lucky story since Aiden O'Connell came in and, Sh- and Sean McDermott. No, that's not right. Uh, who was their head coach that got canned? Josh McDaniel. Thank you. Josh McDaniel. The other Mick uh, got <laughs> fired. I can say that. I'm Irish. <laughs> um, and it's been good vibes, but they haven't played anybody like this Dolphins team. There's going to be a whole other level of test for that defense. It's going to be interesting to see if Aiden O'Connell can really do anything offensively. Uh, when they're going to need to put up points. Um, but I get it. It's a lot of points. This team's won two or three straight, so uh, I see why you're going there. Yeah. Um, pure pure vibes-based pick there. I just don't think they're going to lose by 15 after the last couple weeks they've had. That's totally fair. All right. To close out Valley Dogs of the Week, I'm going to give the people what they want. The dog that never hits. The rancid dog of the week. Oof. You smell that? I smell it right now. I'm looking at it. You know what it is, and it is the Carolina Panthers yeah. <laughs> plus ten and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. Yuck! This Dallas team just covered a minus twenty six and a half point line playing against a crappy quarterback and a bad defense. Uh, this Panthers team is not going to slow them down. Dallas is going to dump points on them, and you're making poor little Bryce Young and old geriatric Adam Thielen try and keep it tight. I do not see it happening. Against a Micah Parsons-led defense? No, oh, my no. God. Parsons. Don't hurt the boy. <laughs> Don't hurt the boy, Just Micah. Just let him live. Just let him live. Spare the child. Um, but, yeah, 10.5 isn't enough. They needed to get back to, like, 17.5, and, and it's not there. So, uh, there's your answer, dog of the week. Sweet. Hey, that was a quick pod, John. Anything else before we hop out of here? We did so good. I'm so proud of us. 45 minutes. We were aiming for 30, but... Still pretty good, and I'm proud of this. (laughs) You got to go finish your laundry now. We had to turn it off for the pod. That's right. Um, Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find Sound Up Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50, everywhere that's important. And you can find John all over the world. This baby's going flying. Just never hanging out with you is what it is. That's true. That's true. It's a little sad day for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Turkey for one. <laughs> uh, and with that, hey, we hope you have a good uh, good weekend. Big football weekend for the Seattle team. Big, big, big. 
Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's go Hawks. I was going to say go Dogs. We always do. Yeah. Yeah, I had to change it up a little bit.